How you doing? How you feeling? How you living? Thanks for joining me today. It's your girl Akua, your host for Dem Coins Podcast, where we discuss different holistic strategies for millennials of faith who are pursuing financial freedom. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the necessary components for our financial freedom journeys. Enjoy! The world of personal finance can be vast. It can feel daunting. It can feel like there's so many terms and so many different things to learn. I know sometimes when I'm researching, I get frustrated. It's very tempting to just sweep everything under the rug and, you know, kind of wing it and go day by day and whatever happens, let it happen. But there is a real big steep cost to that in the long run. So the research is necessary. And certainly if you wanna reach financial freedom, the research is necessary. So in this episode, I'll definitely give you some tips and tricks on how to weed out all the garbage on the internet when doing research regarding your personal finances and getting to financial freedom. But first, we're going to briefly talk about what financial freedom is and sort of the six main components of financial freedom. So financial independence is a fairly simple concept. Um, I'm not going to give you an official, you know, dictionary.com definition, but essentially financial freedom is when your savings plus your cash flow from your investments cover your living costs for the foreseeable future. That's pretty much what it is in a nutshell. So we're gonna go right in and jump into the first component of financial freedom. And it's, you guessed it, mindset. Now I know, I know, I know, you've heard it a thousand times, change your mind, change your life you know, all of these cliche things, you cannot achieve it until you believe it. But y'all, it's true though. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It's real. Listen, I'm not gonna go into all the science behind it because there is quite a bit of science that is supplemental and supports the word, but I dare you to try it and see the opportunities that come about, see the change in the way you carry yourself, the way you treat yourself, the way you treat others. It is an essential part of this journey. You have to believe that financial freedom is possible for you and for your family. And that's on period, Pooh. And if you're in a space right now where your mindset is not necessarily in the best place, the best thing you can do is slowly start changing your surroundings. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about you moving from here to Nova Scotia or something like that. I'm talking about what you feed yourself on a daily. What are you reading? What are you watching? Who are you entertaining throughout the day? Start to shift your atmospheres. Start to expend your energy and spend your time on things and activities and people that feed you. And this is also not a license to start off cutting everything and everyone out of your life and labeling everyone a hater and all those things. But this can be a great opportunity for you to seek out 
individuals that have similar interests, that have the same mindset, people who have reached financial independence. I can speak personally, the very first person that I ever met that had reached financial independence, I met them in high school. And to this day, <laughs> they continue to mentor me, speak life into me, give me practical tips and strategy on how to reach financial independence. And if you are so fortunate to have someone that is physically in your space that has reached financial freedom, it makes this journey feel so much more tangible because you see this person, you look at them eyeball to eyeball and you realize that they're just flesh and blood just like me. And if they did it, I can do it too. And if you don't know anyone personally, you can definitely get into different networking events, um, whether that be virtually, you know, because Sister Rona and whatnot. So many of these networking events may be virtual. Um, your chamber of commerce in your cities. A meetup has a lot of different financial education groups and you can find other like-minded people. Um, also, the internet could be a great source of inspiration. I know that I find a, little, a lot of inspiration from people online. Obviously, use caution because there are a lot of phonies, a lot of, you know, posers and scam us, you know, so be mindful of that and use your discernment. But there is a way, especially with the internet now, there is a way to get in contact with like-minded people. And this can really help you stay on course. You know, we are social beings. We are not meant to live alone. We are not meant to do things in isolation. That is something that I am actively working on because, well, I'll say that for another episode, but the point being is keep your mindset right. Create the vision boards, get in that word and find out the truth about wealth and freedom in the word for yourself and get around like-minded people. All right, so that just about sums up the first component mindset. And now we're going to move on to number two, the goal, right? The financial independent number. So the financial independence number is essentially the number, the actual dollar amount you would need to live off of for the rest of your life. Now, how to go about calculating this number? Don't worry, I suck at math. So I would not be involved in this if it involved some complicated calculus, trigonometry type of calculation, okay? So really the only piece of information that you need is your average annual spending. So you can take the averages of what you spend over the course of six months, average that out, then multiply it by 12. Make sure though that you deduct any big one-time expenses. So for instance, if you went out and bought a car for cash for $5,000, you would need to deduct that from your average annual spending, only the regular reoccurring expenses. So your insurance on that car would be a part of your average annual spending. 
Now, because of the awesome, amazing, beautiful internet, there are financial independence number calculators online. I have linked two in the uh, show description, show notes, and one is from Millennial Money and the other one is from a site called Networthify. Now, the calculation is based on this 4% rule. Now, the 4% rule was established by some professors from Trinity University in San Antonio. And essentially, they found that if you took out an average of 4% of your savings out and lived off of it, this would allow for you to live a pretty comfortable life overall. So that is used in most financial independence calculations. Um, I've also included the original article for that study in the show description as well for all of my, you know, research nerds, whoop, whoop, so you can read through that article at your leisure. Okay, and so for those of you that just want to do the calculation on a scrap piece of paper, okay, you ready? Okay, here we go. Your financial independent number equals your average annual spending divided by... 4%. I know, right? Isn't your mind blown? Isn't that the hardest calculation in the world? So that's all it takes to find out how much money you would need to retire with your current annual spending rate. Now, if you want to find out how many years it would take you to get to that number, you would have to then just factor in your savings. So to find out how many years it would take for you to reach financial independence, you're going to take your financial independence number you're gonna subtract any amount of money that you have already saved. So things that you have in your retirement, your 401k, a high interest yield savings account, whatever savings you have, you're gonna minus that by your FI number, and then you're going to divide that by your yearly savings rate. So what you typically save in a year, and that will tell you how many years approximately it will take you to reach financial independence. So when I did mine with my current annual spending, my financial independence number was $780,000. Now I thought, okay, it's of course a high number, but it's not as high as other people I've seen. Because typically if you have a family, you're going to be somewhere in the millions, depending on your lifestyle and things like that. However, when I did the calculation to find out how many years it was going to take, oh boy, rude awakening. Let's just say your girl's got to save and invest more aggressively because at this current rate, I would not be able to retire in this lifetime. You feel me? So <laughs> that's the cool thing about this uh, calculation. It's a rough estimate. Certainly your life is going to change. You know, you may get married, you may end up having children, you may adopt children, you may move to a different part of the world, the country. So a lot of things change. And so this is not a set in stone number that you have to remain faithful to all the days of your life. No, no, no. This is a rough estimate to give you a general goal that you and your, your family will reach for, essentially. 
So this will naturally lead into the third component of financial independence, which will be increasing your income. Now, like me, you may uh, find out how many years it would take you to reach financial independence and realize that you probably need to start increasing your income. Now, I intend to spend a lot of time on this platform discussing different ways to increase your income. Everything from career shifts to uh, negotiating that salary. Yes, yes, closed mouths do not get fed. Do not be afraid to show the work that you have done and how you add value and that you should be paid accordingly. Hello, hello. Side hustles, you know, side businesses. Some of us are just sitting on our gifts. Some of us are handy. Some of us make beautiful arts and crafts that we can sell on Etsy. Some of us are just good at finding things at junkyards and reselling them. So there's ample amount of different ways to increase your income that doesn't require, you know, some of those um ways that may be detrimental to you and to your health. Um, for instance, you know, drawing blood. Hey, full disclosure, I cannot say that I have not considered drawing blood or going to one of those, you know, psychological experiments or, you know, case studies where you're gone for a week and they pay you a thousand dollars to try some sort of experimental drug or therapy or something like that. Um, to each its own, and obviously it's your life, it's your choice, but I think there are more fruitful, beneficial ways for us to increase our income. Now I'm going to get into the fourth component of financial independence. This is what everyone loves to talk about. This is the sexy thing right now. Investing. So investing is essentially just making your money grow for you. Now, obviously, there is some inherent risk in investing. Of course, you can lose money. Um, that is why diversification is super duper duper important in investing. You don't want to put all your eggs into one basket. But why people love investing so much is because it's not based on how much time you invest. For instance, if you work a standard job, your income is capped at how many hours you work. Now, the cool thing with investing is that your money can grow uncapped, you know, due to principles such as compounding interest, which is when the money that you make continues to make more money for you. It is a fantastic principle. And quite frankly, unless your cost of living is super duper low, most of us are going to have to get involved in investing if we want to reach financial independence in this life. There are a ton of different ways to invest. And so I am super duper excited to talk about them throughout the course of this podcast. And, you know, as we learn together about different strategies and grow, it's going to be a good old funky time. Okay. Now, another caveat of investing and generational wealth is going to be sort of the fifth main component of financial independence, which 
will be tax efficiency. Now, this is a field that I'm still learning about. This can definitely go hand in hand with investing because there are a lot of tax advantages for people who invest, for people who start their own businesses, for people who invest in real estate, for people who invest in the stock market regularly, for people who take risks, calculated risks. And the tax code tends to incentivize individuals who take these risks because essentially it stimulates the economy. You know, if you start a small business, chances are you're going to hire people. Chances are you're going to need to buy inventory, you know, so you are helping stimulate the economy. And in turn, with a tax professional, you can write off quite a bit. I mean, Amazon did not pay federal taxes. Tax efficiency. Let's get into it. Let's keep more of the hard earned money that we earn. Now, this is still a field that I am fairly fresh in and I'm learning about. So I'm super excited to do more research on this. Hopefully get a a tax attorney or tax specialist guru to come in and really break down some different strategies that, you know, us regular, regular folks can use. Like I literally just started learning about different tax advantaged accounts. You know, I recently just set up my Roth and I started playing around in that and that's been a lot of fun. But quite honestly, I'm going to keep it 100. Growing up, the only tax strategy that I'd ever heard of, and it's not really a tax strategy because technically you're lying, is putting other people, kids on your taxes. That's literally the only tax strategy I ever heard of growing up. So let's learn the tricks of this little tax game, if you will, and let's leverage this thing for our benefit for once. Of course, legally, legally, y'all, legally, please. (laughs) So then once you get a hang of increasing income, investing in good quality investments, and you're saving regularly, then the sort of sixth and final step is generational wealth. A good man or woman leaves inheritance for their children. Now, you don't have to necessarily have children to leave generational wealth. Everyone comes from some family. Everyone has a cousin or a niece or a nephew or someone that they can pass on some wealth to. Now with generational wealth, we're not just talking about money, but we're talking about passing down the actual strategies on how to manage money properly. Essentially really passing down the true principles of wealth, everything from mindset all the way down to increasing your income, investing, tax efficiency, and also how to spread that wealth to better, not just your own family, but the people around you and our communities and the world as a whole. So estate planning is also another topic that we are going to discuss on this platform. Trust, wills, what are the differences, and so on and so forth. I hope to have a professional come in and break down how do we really start our estate planning. Because we've all heard the horror stories, right? I even believe that 
Aretha Franklin, you know, as wealthy, as incredibly talented as she is, had people fighting over her estate when she passed away. My God, what a tragedy. You know, so having these things in place, I know it's not comfortable. No one wants to think about their death, uh, especially during Sister Rona and all these things going on. And my heart goes out to anyone who has lost a loved one during this time for any reason, whether it was Rona, whether it was cancer, whether it was whatever, you know. Um, but estate planning is super duper duper important. I hate to see family torn apart regarding debates about the estate. So that's essentially the six components of financial independence, your mindset, finding your goal, your financial independence number, increasing your income, investing, tax shelters, and generational wealth. So you may be listening to this episode and may be thinking, wow, where do I start? Now, it's important to find maybe one or two areas to focus on and make sure that you make it logical, right? So if you are living paycheck to paycheck, then you probably don't want to be expending a whole lot of energy thinking about generational wealth and estate planning, right? Because you may just not be there yet. So it starts with the mindset for sure. And then those middle components can be done interchangeably as well as simultaneously. You want to be logical and really assess where you are right now and what makes the most sense to focus on. Now, this is kind of my favorite part, the research. Uh, the internet can definitely be flooded with a ton of just garbage. Um, it can also be flooded with a lot of really, really good, useful information. Um, so I'm just going to give you a couple of tips, uh, you know, when you're on these uh, internet screens and, you know, you Google in and trying to figure out, you know, really how to make this thing work. Okay, get these coins. So my first tip kind of goes hand in hand with the focus comment. Um, essentially, you want to make sure that you're asking the right questions at the right time. Um, and I also have noticed that this is also very helpful if you are fortunate enough to have a mentor in your life. You know, mentors really value time and they respond to momentum. So if you do have a mentor, the quickest way to kind of tick them off, and they may not necessarily tell you to your face, but the quickest way to tick them off is to approach them and not have specific questions, not building off of whatever it is that you discussed the last time you saw them. So let me just give you a brief example. Let's say you're interested in getting involved in stock trading and your mentor now tells you to go and read a specific book. You meet up with your mentor a month later and when they ask you, you know, what's going on? How's it going? And you say, oh, you know, I'm just still trying to get involved with stock trading, right? That's not helpful. You should have read the book and then come back with specific questions regarding trading. You know, show them your portfolio and say, hey, I have X, Y, and Z questions. How do I read this chart? 
boo, boo, boo. How do I read this balance sheet? How do I read quarterly statements? What should I be looking for, right? There should be very specific questions for where you're at in the process. My second tip is fairly simple, save and bookmark things. We all live very busy lives. And so sometimes you may come across a really interesting article that you wanna read, but you don't necessarily have the time to read it in that moment, or you don't have time to read that book in that moment. Save it and bookmark it. You know, the same way you have specific filing systems for your folders that you, you know, keep for work, do the same thing with your investing and your savings and anything that correlates to your financial freedom journey. My other tip is to just think about how you learn. Um, There's different assessments that you can take online to find out if you're a visual learner, you're an auditory learner, you are a tactical learner, you learn by doing. Uh, For me personally, Everything I hear, I remember. That is why I love me some podcasts, but everyone's different. So be inquisitive about how you learn. It doesn't take that long. Just take a quick inventory of your life and just think about how you learn. My other tip is to look at trusted sources. Um, When you are doing financial research, lots of junk. Um, Some of the things that I like to use Um, is The Motley Fool is probably my favorite online financial literacy website. Um, I also really, really like Investopedia. They have just a gamut of different financial resources. And I also like them because there aren't ads within the articles. So you can read your articles undisturbed uninterrupted by questions asking if you accept cookies and all this other nonsense. You know, there's a lot of noise in our everyday lives. So to be able to have a website that doesn't have a lot of chaos, you know, ads about what happened to Britney Spears and, you know, all that sort of random stuff that kind of pops up can be a real big distraction. So I like Investopedia. I kind of wish they had an app though, but I do really like them. Uh, Yahoo Finance is a pretty trusted source and also government agencies, right? You got tax questions, take your butt straight to the source. Go to irs.gov, okay? And do your research there. Amen and amen. Okay. Another quick tip when you begin to hone in on what specific component or components of your financial freedom journey that you want to delve into a bit more, that you need a little bit more information on, then you can start getting a bit more specific. For instance, let's say you're interested in real estate investing. Okay, that's super vague though. There's so many different facets and things you can get involved in and different ways you can invest in real estate. So get specific about, well, what part of real estate are you specifically interested in, right? So that's just one example. And I know uh, owning and being a landlord is kind of the popular thing to do now, but there are so many other options for getting involved in real estate that do not require you to be a landlord. So I will definitely be talking about these options in the podcast, not this episode, you know, but we'll be talking about those other options. 
So be sure to stay tuned and continue to do your own research. And last, but surely not least, my final tip for doing research and just in your overall financial freedom journey is to give yourself some grace. You are deciding to live your life differently than most. You are going to have setbacks. You are going to have hard days and hard nights. This is not going to be an easy road. This is definitely the lesser traveled road. So extend some grace to yourself. You make a not so great investing decision. You use the credit card for that vacation. You buy that bag. You get a little impulsive. You lose sight. Get back up. A righteous man falls seven times, gets back up eight. The important part is to just keep going, right? And if you find that it's a consistent issue, you're finding that you're making a similar mistake, you're going to have to get to the root of that emotionally um, because as we will further delve into, much of our spending habits are very emotionally driven. So it's important for us to know the root of that and to heal properly from that if there is trauma attached to our bad spending habits. So I hope this helped you kind of dissect where you are in your current journey to building your own financial freedom blueprint, if you will. For some, this may serve just as a bit of a refresher, and then for others, this may be completely new information. Either way, regardless of whether you're just starting somewhere in the middle or you're very close to financial independence or currently financially independent, there are people all over the globe, although we are a bit of a minority, still, there are people all over the globe making great strides in this journey. Just make sure that you are getting around like-minded folks, that you are taking and expounding upon information that you're learning daily and taking what is viable for you in the present moment. Uh, remain flexible and know that sometimes, you know, your strategy may have to change. Who could have predicted Sister Rona, right? Things are constantly evolving. So remain flexible and pivot when necessary. And that pretty much wraps up today's episode. Thank you for joining me. I hope you got some new insights or maybe you just got some confirmation on a couple of things. Let your girl know. Feel free to email me at demcoins, the number one, at gmail.com. Also, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram by the same name. If you have any good topics, cool new strategies, let me know. And while you're at it, feel free to write an awesome five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends about me, okay? <laughs> I am so excited for all of us on this journey. And until next time, stay encouraged.